All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Uh, the Lord led me to this passage, uh, incidentally, uh, a few months ago when Miss Patty, who is not here tonight, she sang up here one of the specials. Uh, she sang the song, Broken and Spilled Out. I love that song, and it's actually taken right from the passage that we're going to study tonight. And as she was singing that song, the Lord said, I want you to preach that passage. And so looking forward to what the Lord's going to have for us tonight in John chapter 12. Uh, as Pastor was saying, you know, we are still relatively new. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other night. You know, couples should do that every now and then. Uh, but we were talking, and we realized it was like five months to the day uh, that we moved here. And we looked at each other, and we're like, it seems a lot longer than five months, but in a good way, in a good way. It's just a lot of things have happened, crash courses, things like that, and time has flown. And so we feel like we've been here a whole lot longer than five months, but that's because uh, you guys have uh, welcomed us with open embrace, and we're still getting to know many of you, but uh, we thank the Lord for his calling, for his leading, uh, and for this church family. And so John chapter 12. Verse 1, uh, the Bible says, Then uh, Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which, had, which what was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her, with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Uh, then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, uh, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had, a had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not Always. Tonight I want to preach a message simply entitled, The Value of Brokenness. The Value of Brokenness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're just so thankful that we have the Word of God. Lord, in our laps today, we, we hold the very preserved uh, words from you. And Lord, we can have absolute certainty that what we're reading is from you. And Lord, tonight as we uh, study this passage together, Father, help us to see that in your view of things, brokenness brings value. And Lord, help our hearts this week, this tonight, to be broken before you. Lord, understanding that once we are broken, then you begin to use us. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Use me, I pray. Uh, I cannot, but you can. I need your help. Help me to be clear. Help me to speak where I need to speak and to be silent where I need to be silent. And we'll give you, Lord Jesus, all the praise for you alone are worthy of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I remember when I was younger, uh, I was the older brother. Uh, I had uh, one sibling, a younger brother. And as the older brother, I was notorious for provoking my brother. I mean, it's just one of those things. Uh, my brother did not like to be touched. And so we'd be riding in a vehicle, and I would stick my finger about this close from him. And it would just drive him insane. And so one of the things that we, we often, you know, fought, we often, you know, went back and forth on things. I love my brother and he loves me. But, you know, growing up, it's always an adventure. Well, one of the things, one evening, we were fighting over a video game, of all things. A video game. And my dad heard us fighting over that. And uh, he comes in. He took the game out of the, out of the it was a Super Nintendo. He took the game out. 
And he said, are you guys going to stop fighting? And we, didn't, we weren't listening. He put the game on the floor. And he said, if you guys don't start behaving, I'm going to break this thing right now. I forget how old I was. I may have been 10, 11, 12. I looked at him and I said, no, you won't. I wasn't saved. I didn't come from a saved home, but man, I had a, I had a tongue. Uh, and so I said, no, you won't. He proceeded to bam, bam, bam. And my brother and I were like, no, you know, we didn't think my dad would actually do that. And you know what? He broke the game right in front of us to teach us a very important lesson. <laughs> you do what dad says. And so uh, I love my dad. I appreciate my dad. I thank my dad for a night like that. It, it taught me a little bit more of, you know, be respectful and, and don't try your dad. And so uh, no matter what happened, I tried to play that game. I tried to put it back in the, in the little cartridge thing there. And I tried to turn it on. And of course, it wasn't working. It was useless. There was no value. Now, there's probably little value in video games today. I digress from that. But regardless, there was, it was broken. It was useless. You know, perhaps uh, many of you may have objects in your lives, antiques, pottery, toys, whatever collectibles that you have, that maybe perhaps one day they broke and they immediately lost their value. Growing up, I collected baseball cards. And so if you had a baseball card, if you had just a little wrinkle on any portion of that card, its value immediately diminished. Now, nature tells us that there are certain things that once uh, they are broken, they become valuable and useful. For instance, wild horses need to be broken to become usable by their owners. A farmer cannot successfully grow crops until he has broken the soil uh, to be able to, to, to plant and to harvest. When it comes to possessions, we think once they're broken, they're useless. But from God's perspective, nature tells us, and also from God's perspective, we learn that once we become broken before the Lord, it's only then that the Lord begins to use us. And so tonight, I want us to look at this passage in Mary. Uh, as she uh, she uh, makes this, this, this offering to Jesus of the spike nerd, and we're going to look at what she teaches us about the value of of brokenness. Now, in our passage, John chapter 12, this, this, this account is also found in Matthew 26. It's also found in Mark chapter 14. And let me encourage you, just by way of Bible study, uh, this is free tonight. When you, when you uh, study your Bibles and you study the gospel accounts, let me encourage you to study the other passages uh, in the other gospels where an account of the similar, the similar account is found. You know, look at the different ways that, that Matthew may, may add details that John doesn't. They're not contradicting each other. Many times they're giving you a more complete understanding of what's going on. That it, it's, it's a harmony of the Gospels. It's comparing Scripture with Scripture. It's just good Bible study. Let me encourage you with that. And we're going to draw some from Mark. We're going to draw some from Matthew tonight. But our focus is going to be in John chapter 12. So just a couple lessons this evening for us. First of all, I want to see in verses 1 through 3, we see the cost of brokenness. The cost of brokenness. Brokenness begins with a willful heart. 
Brokenness begins with a willful heart. We see Mary come. This is right after Jesus had risen Lazarus from the dead. And so this is very still much the talk of the town. It's really just before Jesus goes to Passover with his disciples. And Jesus would frequently visit Bethany, the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so they're sitting here. Lazarus is at the table. Martha is where she's at. Martha's usually the one serving. She's the hostess. She's taking taking care of the food, taking care of the meal, and things like that. And so you have Lazarus here, you have Martha here, and then here comes Mary. Here comes Mary. Uh, Mary is going to be really the focus of our subject tonight. But we see the means of her offering. It says here in verse 2, uh, There they made him a supper, and Martha served. And But Lazarus was one of them that sat with him at the table. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. Catch this, what are the next two words? Very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with their hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. The means of her offering is she, or, she gave this pound of spikenard. Now, nard was a very expensive liquid perfume. It probably ran about 300 pence. I mean, Judas even gives the estimation of it in verse number five. And so, a pence was about a day's wage. And so think about the the magnitude of this offering. She is literally giving 300 days of a salary and offering it to Jesus, anointing him. Ladies, this would be the equivalent of you sacrificing your essential oil collection this evening. And that's a pretty big offering, right? But think about it. Brokenness is costly. Brokenness is costly. Mary offered something costly to the Lord. This was a big sacrifice from, from our perspective, is it not? We see Mary offered it willingly. Mary wasn't, as we'll see here soon, Mary wasn't coerced into this. She willingly gave it. You see, willful brokenness before the Lord never counts the cost. It never estimates, okay, how much is this going to cost me? No, no, no. Brokenness comes with a willful Heart. And the clearest way you and I can display personal brokenness is when we offer our lives totally to the Lord's use. Consider Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. You see, you and I, to be broken before the Lord involves a complete realignment of our lives. It will involve cost. It will involve change. For Mary, it was financial cost. For us, it may be a change in priorities. But understand, there will be a cost. But Jesus is worth the cost. He's worth the cost. Brokenness may stretch us But think about the brokenness of Christ for a second. He willingly went to a rugged cross for us. What he offered on the cross was the most valuable thing he had, his life. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18 says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Uh, Verse 18, uh, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That speaks of his willful giving of his life. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received 
of my Father. Why is it that we should be broken before the Lord? Because Jesus was broken for us. Because he was broken for us. So we see the means of our, of our offering. It was a, a very expensive, very costly, according to verse 3, um, offering. But notice the manner of her offering. Notice Mary's attitude. Mary didn't debate within herself, should I really? I mean, this is really expensive. I mean, I don't know. Is this really worth it? No, no, no. That's not Mary's attitude at all. Mary had no qualms, no debate, no, no, no second thoughts about this. Mary went willfully to give this. She did not have to have her arm twisted. She did, not have to, she did not hesitate to give this offering. She did not offer just a little. She offered it all. So often in our lives, we're content with Jesus being a part of our lives. Yeah, he may have our Sundays. He may have our Wednesdays. But does he have our Mondays? Does he have our Tuesdays? Does he have our Thursdays? Does he have our Fridays? But, but Saturday's my day. I mean, I've worked all week. I get my Saturday. No, no. It's, does he have your Saturdays? Does he have your Saturdays? You see, brokenness says, Lord, my life is yours. Take of it. Use it. Lord, here's my schedule. Take it and revolve it around you. Lord, take my marriage and revolve it around you. Lord, take my wallet and revolve it around you. You get the point? Brokenness involves the totality of who we are. And it's a willful, willful heart. Is he worth the cost? I think he is. But are we willing to surrender to the cost of brokenness? You see, Mary didn't hesitate. She didn't debate. She didn't get her arm twisted. She wasn't guilt-tripped. She willingly offered. So we see, first of all, the cost of brokenness. Brokenness begins with a willful heart. Number two, we see the consecration of brokenness. Brokenness leads to worship. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Brokenness leads to worship. We see worship is a proper response to the Lord working in our lives. See, worship is a proper response to the Lord working in our lives. Consider Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, God's mercies working in our lives. I love Romans 12.1. That phrase, by the mercies of God, summarizes the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. Just in one little phrase, mercies of God. And so we've been the recipients of God's mercies. He saved us. He is sanctifying us. And one day we'll be glorified with him. Very similar to what Brother Dave preached this morning. And so he beseeches us by those mercies. The mercies you and I have experienced in our lives, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now catch this, which is your reasonable, logical service. And that word service there is where we get the word worship from. So he beseeches us by God's mercies that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. You see, brokenness, when I realize what God has done for me, I'm going to willfully worship him with a broken and contrite heart. What prompted Mary to offer this alabaster box? What do you think? I think it's based upon what Jesus did for her in John chapter 11. Just think about this. Think about the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. 
It was first of all a thank offering for, for, Jesus doing, for Jesus doing that for her. Just think about this for a second. Mary and Martha depended wholly upon Lazarus for income, for stability, for, for livelihood. They depended on their brother to do these things. Once Lazarus is gone, listen, there was very little social programs that they could apply for back then. They would have been destitute. They didn't have, the, for the, what we know about the Bible, they didn't have husbands. It was just the three of them. And so for Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead, completely, it went from, from, from hopelessness to great hope. Man, they had their brother back. And so Jesus worked directly in their lives. And so Mary said, man, Jesus, you've done so much. What, what can I do for you? And what she came to was, listen, I have this pound of spike nerd. Very costly. Lord, it's yours. It's yours because you've done so much for me. But also it was a, a, a preparation for Jesus' soon death. If you notice in, in verse 7, Jesus says, Let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. Mark, uh, Mark's uh, account of this in Mark chapter 14, verse 8, says this, She hath done what she could. This is Jesus speaking. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. You see, the consecration of a broken heart, a broken and contrite heart, it leads us to worship and worship is a response to what God has done for us. Secondly, worship is expressed, first of all, in the heart, and secondly, through action. Psalm 99, verse 5 says, Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Worship should, first of all, humble us. It should humble us. You know, our sinful nature wants us to be head and shoulders above everyone else whether it be physically, psychologically, financially, and even, dare I say, spiritually. We are naturally greedy. We're naturally selfish. This is the flesh you and I war with every single day, and our flesh despises brokenness. Uh, but God, broken people are humble worshipers. You see, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Mary be, actually began anointing Jesus' head. John 12 focuses on Jesus' feet being anointed. Mark chapter 14 tells us that the anointing actually began at the head of Jesus. Now that would make sense because as they're sitting at the table, we, Jewish people did not sit at a table like we sit at a table. They don't sit at a chair, a four-legged chair. They actually reclined when they ate. Um, I prefer the, uh, the chair with the four legs myself, but uh, regardless, uh, so he's laying down, reclining and eating, and Mary, it's almost as she, she breaks this alabaster box, and the, and, the, and the oil and the perfume just kind of permeates all the way down to his feet. Uh, what a humbling experience. But notice, it says, John draws specific attention to the fact that she began to wipe his feet with her hair. That's a humbling experience. Uh, one commentator said that a Jewish lady was not permitted to let her hair down in big groups like were present at, the, at this place. It was actually shameful to do so. But Mary didn't care. All she cared about was what she was doing for the Lord. She despised the shame. She didn't care. She wanted to worship Christ. Now, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't wipe, wipe her feet with, with Christ's feet with my hair. Uh, Jeremy and I were in the same boat. It wouldn't happen, right? 
But just notice the, this, the, 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 the love that she has. Notice the, the, this, the, the, the thankfulness and the gratitude that she had because of what Christ did for her. But also, catch this, this is important, what Christ is about to do for her. You see, we look back at it all. Mary knew that Jesus just resurrected Lazarus, but Mary also knew what Jesus, what Jesus was about to do. And that's why we worship Christ, because of what he's done for us. You see, worship should humble us, but worship should also teach us. There's something unique about Mary. When you find her in the Gospels, it is always at Jesus' feet. Always at Jesus' feet. And there's a lesson for here for, for us. Worship those who want to follow Christ. Those who want to be broken uh, before the Lord. Hey, listen, we're going to sit willfully at Jesus' feet in his word. Uh, remember the story uh, in Luke chapter 8, uh, the, the, the story of the maniac of Gadara. Remember Jesus comes across the Sea of Galilee, uh, and you have this wild man. I believe there was actually two of them. These wild men running around, breaking chains, going crazy, drove the local people in crazy. They, they stayed away from it, stayed away from him the entire time. Well, Jesus comes, and as soon as the, the maniac uh, uh, sees him, uh, he comes and bows at his feet and says, Lord, uh, get, get these demons out of me. And, and Jesus takes uh, and heals the man and casts the, the demons into, uh, into the pigs and the swine go down and run into the water and, and die. You remember, the people, the reputation of, this, of these men, they were crazy, they were naked, you didn't want anything to do with them, you were scared to death of them. But guess what? When, when word goes back to the town of what Jesus did and they send an entourage out there to figure out what's going on, where do they find the maniac of Gadara? Remember what, what, what Luke tells us? He was dressed... In his right mind, at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. What a transformation. What a transformation. And listen, he's worshiping Jesus because of what Jesus did for him. Listen, one of the key places we can worship the Lord is around his word. Singing's great. I believe singing prepares the hearts to worship. But friends, this is where worship concludes. This is where worship needs to be focused. And when we allow the Lord to teach us through his word, listen, we worship him. And guess what? His word, uh, he'll take his word and he'll lead us to greater areas of brokenness. Consider Jeremiah, it's not up on the screen, but Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. The Lord uses his word like a hammer and like a chisel to break away areas in our lives so that he can use us in greater ways. Brokenness. The consecration of brokenness. But I would be remiss without mentioning the end of verse 3 here. It says, And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Listen, brokenness in worship leaves a lasting effect. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says this, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Catch this. In them that are saved and in them that perish. Listen, a life of brokenness leaves an impressionable impact on those around us. Are we broken? Are we broken? We see the cost 
of brokenness. We see the consecration of brokenness. True brokenness always leads to worship. But then number three, we see the criticism toward brokenness. The criticism toward brokenness. A lack of brokenness comes with a warning. Verse 4, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Uh, just, just catch the, 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 the tone of his voice in verse 5. His, his pious response. Well, why wasn't this given, this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You know, sometimes uh, you try to read tone in the scripture and you just, you just see this, this, this pious, snarky response from Judas. Uh, this he said, and now catch this, John adds this little notation here. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but that he was a thief. He's like, man, if I can get that $300, I can, I can, I can pilfer a little bit and, and, and make myself look, look a little bit better. But see, there's always going to be criticism toward brokenness. We first we of, of all see the source of the complaint it was, it was Judas who spearheads this, this complaint. But if you go to Matthew chapter uh, 26, it's actually the disciples as a whole that are kind of, you know, uh, criticizing this. Judas spearheaded it, but the rest of them got in on it too. Look at verse 8. But when his disciples saw it, they had, catch that, indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? Think about that for a second. Mary offered and a perfume to Jesus anointed him, and they looked at it and said, man, what a waste. Wow. Priorities are wrong, <laughs> I would say. You know, Matthew and Mark add that they were indignant. They were furious. They were irate. They were even offended at the fact that Mary was worshiping Christ in this way. You see... When we're not properly broken before the Lord, we will see worship as a waste. We see the source of the complaint. We also see the scorn of the complaint. Their scorn was prompted by a pseudo-spiritual need. We could have used this for money and given to the poor. We could have used it for something better, they said. But see, the disciples, Judas especially, was focused more on the material and the temporal than the spiritual and the eternal. You see, Judas's instigation reveals the motive of Satan himself in our lives. And if we're not careful, he wants us to focus on the temporal pleasures of this life. He wants to focus, us to focus on the temporal pursuits of this life at the exclusion of things that matter for eternity. You see, Satan wants to keep God's people distracted from the things that truly matter. <laughs> Consider Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Catch this as Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How often do we find ourselves succumbing to the lies and cares of this world more than eternal things? What excuses have we used that have kept us from investing our lives in the spiritual things that God has asked of us? You see, a heart distracted by the things of the world will not be broken before the Lord. 
There will be those who will complain and sneer against those who want to be broken before the Lord. And when it comes to understanding brokenness, I don't want to be a Judas who scorns brokenness. I want to be a Mary who embraces brokenness. But notice there's also another contrast here between Mary's act and Judas's act. There's two contrasts here, and they cannot be more clear. We have broken Mary. We have hard-hearted Judas. We have a humble giving heart. And we have a self-centered heart. Which heart do we possess? Are we broken? Are we broken? We find out from Matthew's account that right after this event, Judas, his, his whole world changes after this. It's after this that now he is aggressively plotting and planning to betray Jesus. You see, there's scorn, there's criticism toward brokenness. A failure to be broken before the Lord will lead to a hard heart. And a hard heart is disinterested, it is discontent, and it is deceived by the evil one. May it be said of us that we have broken and contrite hearts because we see number four and we're done, the complement of brokenness. So church, help me out. We see number one, the cost of brokenness. Brokenness begins with a willful heart. We see number two, the consecration of brokenness. Brokenness always leads to worship. Number three, we see the criticism of brokenness. There is a warning if we are not broken before the Lord. But then I love number four, the compliment of brokenness. Jesus welcomes brokenness. Jesus welcomes brokenness. Now listen, Mary, she's kind of cornered right now. You got the disciples, they're all looking at her like, shouldn't have done that. We could have given that to the poor as their pious, you know, attitudes here are going to crumble because while the disciples are against her, Jesus comes to her rescue. Notice verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone. It's like, guys, shut up. (laughs) Leave her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Do you realize you're more valuable before the Lord broken than whole? God delights in using broken people who worship him. Consider just a few Old Testament passages. Isaiah 51, verse 15 says this, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, catch this, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Psalm 51, verse 17, David says this, The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. We see Jesus welcomes this brokenness. We see his compliment, a few things here. It was a loving compliment. Again, while everyone else was against Mary, Jesus was for Mary. He told the crowd to leave her alone. This was an act of devotion done with a right heart. Judas and the other disciples, they were selfish. They were misguided. But Mary did something great, and the Lord lovingly complimented her actions. Psalm 109, verses 30 through 31, a powerful verse is here. It says, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. For he shall stand at the right hand of the poor and to save him from those that condemn his 
soul. You see, the disciples, they were condemning. Jesus said, no, no, Mary, you did right. Mary, I'm there beside you. Mary, I'm for you because you're broken before me. When we live a broken life for the Lord and to do his will, he comes both to defend and to champion and to encourage us. We shouldn't live for the approval of men. We should live for the Lord's approval. It was a loving compliment. It was also a lasting compliment. Proverbs 10 verse 7 says, The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Catch Matthew chapter 26 verse 13. It says, this is what Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told, catch this, for a memorial of her. Hey, listen, her brokenness, we're still talking about it today. We don't talk about Judas all that much, how his end happened. We don't talk about it that much. But Mary, forever enshrined in the Gospels for her act of brokenness. See, her sacrifice was not something special. Her sacrifice was something special, not because Mary was significant, but because it was done for the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 18 says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And Jesus commends Mary for what she did. Do you want to live a life for God's approval? Be broken. Be broken. Have a humble heart that allows him to have control. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You want to be close to Christ? Have a broken heart. And save it such as be of a contrite spirit. So we see brokenness brings great compliment from the Lord. The Lord welcomes us. Broke, a broken heart, Lord, you will not despise. Lord, may tonight I be broken before you. May tomorrow at work, Lord, may I be broken before you. Because when we're broken, God begins to use us. When we're contrite and we're humble, God begins to work. So we see the value of brokenness. Brokenness is costly, church. Mary gave something very costly. And the most costly thing you and I can give to Christ is us. The person that we look in the mirror at every day. Brokenness is consecrated. Brokenness is ultimately an act of worship. And and when we consider what Christ has done for us, we should be quick to be broken in worship for him. But understand this, brokenness will be criticized. Don't be the person that scoffs or ignores the need of personal brokenness. Understand that you get the most value out of your life when you're broken and usable for the Lord. And then finally, brokenness is complimented. There's a special place in the Lord's heart for those who live in brokenness before him. The value of brokenness.